Lord, we know will be amplified in your presence in heaven. Lord, we can't wait. We can't wait to be with you and to see what you have prepared for us for all of eternity. Lord, we can't wait to see you, to no longer see through the glass dimly, but to behold you face to face and to know you even as we are known. Lord, until that day, you have called us to be your disciples, to walk with you in strength and purity and righteousness. And I pray you continue that work in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are in the book of Acts tonight, verse, chapter 1, verse 8, if you're physically able. Would you stand with me as we read a portion of God's word? It'll just be one verse tonight, so we can, we can hang with that. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Again, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Lord, as we take a few minutes tonight to consider your word, and I thank you for the precious men and women you brought to this place tonight. I thank you for those that are watching online, and God, I pray as a church family here, we would heed and hear your exhortation here in the book of Acts to your disciples that we would not try to do life and ministry in the power of our flesh, but Lord, we would walk in the power of your spirit. And I pray tonight that that statement, to walk in the power of your spirit, would not be just words on a page or words that come out of a pastor's mouth. But I pray truly, Lord, tonight, you would baptize and fill us afresh with your spirit. We're so desperate. We're so needy without you. So Lord, may you show up, Lord, among your precious people tonight, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Ever since summer, we've been working our way through a series entitled, Being Discipled by Jesus. If you're tired of that, good news. Only this week and one week left. (laughs) Good things are ahead. Excited for some of the things we have next year that I'll let Pastor Rob share that with you in the weeks to come. But, But basically, we've been looking at a series where Jesus pulls aside his disciples. Not, not the multitudes, not the Pharisees or the Sadducees, but those that said, God, I want to be your disciple. I want to be used by you in this generation that you have me. And because of that, I think it's totally appropriate for us to study. Because you're here on a Wednesday night. There's so many other things to be doing. Our, our culture is so busy. But yet, I, I believe because you're here tonight, your heart is, I want to be a disciple. I want to follow after the Lord with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind. And so we've been on a journey. We started in the Sermon on the Mount and saw how Jesus called us to get on that narrow road and be salt and light and the culture and the community in which God placed us. We took time to look at a few events from Matthew chapter 10 and 16 about Jesus calling his disciples, letting us know that sometimes it'll be tough. 
Sometimes being a disciple means you have to take up your cross and follow him. And we looked at the fact that, 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 that Jesus wants us to, to, to seek him and come after him with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our minds. We spent six weeks looking at John 13 through 17 and the secrets to life and ministry that Jesus shares in that, that, that just such important part of scripture. And then the last three weeks, we've been looking at the longest answer that Jesus ever gave to one single question. And it was when his disciples said, Lord, would you tell us, what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus poured into them how they would know he's about to come and what they are to do, probably more importantly for us, what they're to do in light of the fact that Jesus is coming again. Well, before we wrap up this series, there are two more important lessons Jesus taught to his disciples, his disciples alone, that we need to consider. One is his exhortation for the disciples to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit that we just read here in Acts chapter one, verse eight. And then next week, we'll consider Jesus' command to his disciples in the Great Commission to go into the world and make disciples. Now, next week, we're gonna do a normal Bible study. We're gonna take time to unpack Matthew 28, 16 through 20. But, but tonight, we're gonna look at just one verse, Acts 1, 8, and the Lord has put something totally different on my heart. You see, I realize that for the majority of you who have been around here for a long time, you're a well-taught congregation, and in some areas, even more than others. I, I, I believe this church, Calvary Chapels in general, but this church specifically, man, you know about the Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit and His importance in your life, and I, I mean, even if you, you don't, we've just talked about it recently. In John 14, John 16 is, is all about the Spirit of God, and so instead of having a lengthy study that most of you are familiar with, I believe what the Lord has put on my heart tonight is to go over this subject in just a few minutes so we're all on the same page because maybe a friend brought you here tonight and you're like, what, the Spirit, what's that? I don't understand. Or, or maybe we just all need a little review. But, but once we get a handle on it, what I wanna do tonight is to take time to wait upon the Spirit. Not to talk about the Spirit, but to say, Father, I am so needy. I am so desperate. Would you fill me anew and afresh with your Spirit? So I hope you're okay with us doing that tonight. If not, I'm actually not taking a vote. So you can clap. That was good. I appreciate it. I'm encouraged by that. That's good. I appreciate that. But, um, and can we turn the air on a little bit? I, I just see some people fanning themselves and that's always not comfortable. So we get the air on a little bit uh, further down. That'd be awesome. But let's begin tonight making sure we're all on the same page. Again, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus, his final instructions to his disciples, he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then if you read the next verse, he's taken up out of their sight into the heavens. These are his final words, his final instructions to his disciples, and they surround the idea of being men and women, being disciples that are filled with the power of God's Spirit. And really what God gives us is the third of three relationships that we as Christians need to have with the Holy Spirit. The first two, the, the verse will be up on the screen, leaving Acts chapter 1-8. If you want to turn there, you can, but if not, the verse will be up there for you. From John fourteen seventeen, we have the first two relationships that the Holy Spirit can have with a Christian. 
Well, with, with, well the first one with anybody. But, but he says in, in John 14, 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, get this, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now again, I know for most of you this is review, but this is what the spirit does. For everybody, every single in person in the world, he is with them. It's the Greek word para, which means alongside. God is alongside every person. His spirit is alongside them. He's fulfilling his ministry to them, which is to do what? To convict the world of sin. He's trying to convict the world of sin. I mean, maybe you called it before you knew the Lord, the little angel on your shoulder, your conscience. It's that voice that's like, hey, yo, you're not okay. You know, we look at each other like, I'm okay, you're okay. Let's hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And maybe you put on a great front before you knew the Lord, but you know, you know, you laid your head down that pillow at night and you're like, I'm not okay. There's something wrong with me. And maybe you know, you, you'd, a friend would bring you to maybe a Christmas play this time of year and you, you'd see the Christmas play and you've heard the story time and time again. But as you're watching little kids you know, mess up lines and, and dropping the baby Jesus and all these great things about children's Christmas plays, there's still something inside your heart that says, you're not okay. There's something about that little baby you need to find out about. And you think, what is it? Someone brings you to Easter and the, the pastor talks about Jesus raising from the dead. Again, a story you know. And the Lord is speaking to you. You're not okay. You need to give your life to Christ. Well, the moment comes, hopefully for all of us here tonight. If not, what in the world are you waiting for? But for all of us, hopefully tonight, you said, Father, I surrender. I surrender to your work in my life. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit stopped being alongside you. And as Jesus says, then he came in you. He took up residence in your heart. That's the second preposition. It's the word in or the Greek word in. Same thing except with an E. And it means in. You see, the moment of of your salvation, the Holy Spirit take up residence in your heart. And understand this, Bible students. It doesn't just mean in like we're all in the room tonight. And why I want you to see that difference is we're all in the room tonight, but, you know, 45 minutes from now, the service will be over. And then about an hour from now, you know, we all love to fellowship, but I want to see my wife and kids. I want to hang out with my family. And so it'll be time to go. So you're here, but it's going to be time to go. And sometimes we think the Holy Spirit's like that. Like he's here, but at any moment he, he could leave. No, no, no. The word Jesus used is very interesting. It, it spoke of a permanence. He takes up residence in your heart to stay. So the Holy Spirit starts alongside you. You respond to that work of conviction. He takes up residence in your heart. But there still remains a third relationship that God desires to have with Christians. And we read it tonight in Acts 1.8. When Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And then you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That third preposition is the word upon, or in Greek, api. And it has the idea or the meaning of overflowing you, of controlling you, shaping you, molding you, making you another man or another woman. It's when the Spirit of God begins to affect the way that you live and minister to others. It's different and distinct from Him just being in your heart. How do you know that? Is it just because of these Greek words that I don't understand? No, consider the life of the apostles. When did the apostles receive the Spirit of God taking up residence in your heart? Bible students, you should know this. John chapter 20, verse 22. How do you know that's the moment they received the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. 
That's, that's what that verse says. Jesus looked at them after his death and resurrection and said, you guys receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not that smart, but here's what I think. If Jesus looks at you and says, receive the Spirit, a little different than some of those guys on TBN, what's going to happen to you? You are going to receive the Holy Spirit. It's a no-brainer. Jesus, God of the universe, says, receive my Spirit. You're getting the Spirit. So they have the Spirit in them in John chapter 20. But then Acts 1.8, which happened after John chapter 20, Jesus still says, you need something else. You can't go and minister, disciples. Don't you dare leave the city of Jerusalem. Don't you dare go and try to be a disciple in the power of your own flesh. No, you need the Spirit of God to come upon you in power. Maybe some of you who are newer to this, you kind of go, well, wait a second. If they had the Spirit... Why would they need more of the Spirit? I don't get that. Because in John 20, listen carefully. In John 20, they received the indwelling Spirit for salvation. In John chapter 20, they received the indwelling Spirit for salvation. But in Acts chapter 1, or really chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, they received the empowering Spirit for service. Same Holy Spirit, but a different relationship. In John 20, they, had the, they were saved. They had the empowering spirit, or, or I'm sorry, indwelling spirit for salvation. But on the day of Pentecost, he began to empower them for service. And you see it borne out in their lives. What happened when the disciples, what happened after the disciples were filled with the spirit in John 20? Well, they left. They went back to Galilee, remember? They went fishing. And they weren't very good at it. Never. They're toiling all night once again, filled with the Spirit. But they're toiling and catching nothing. And I see, God bless you, I see in that, I see in that a great parallel to sadly, and I hope I don't offend many tonight, but in some Christian ministries today, they're toiling. They're working so hard. They're wanting to see great things accomplished, but it seems like there's little or no fruit. Maybe it's because they're saved. They have the indwelling Spirit of God for salvation, but not the empowering Spirit of God for service. See, the disciples are toiling and catching nothing. And Jesus shows up, restores Peter, goes back to Jerusalem, and what does he say? He says, you guys don't leave this place until I endue you with power from on high. Because you need more than just the Spirit inside you for salvation. You don't, you don't need more for salvation. But if you're going to be a disciple... You need to have the power of God upon your life. In Acts chapter 20, I'm sorry, John chapter 20 and Acts chapter 1 are not the only place we see these two experiences that Christians have with the Holy Spirit after they're saved. For your homework, you can go and we'll put two verses up on the screen. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 through 17. That's another good example of, of this, this, this different relationship. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. Both of those show a group of believers who were saved, who had the Holy Spirit in their hearts, but they were not empowered by the Holy Spirit for service. And when the Spirit of God came upon them, they became different men and different women. So you got me on this? Three relationships. The Holy Spirit is around everyone. He's with everybody saying, you're not okay. You need to get saved. When you give in to that work of God in your life, what happens? He takes up residence in your heart. But God still wants to empower you for service. He wants to fill you. And that idea, as we've talked about before, doesn't mean you're stuffed. You know, we just had Thanksgiving. 
That's stuffed. <laughs> That's, you know, food and food. I have never seen my family eat as much food as they did. I, I, we went up and visited my, my, um, my cousins. They, they live up in Reno now, or my aunt and uncle live up in Reno, and the cousins came to visit. These are some big boys. <laughs> I'm talking tall and big boys that are my cousins. They're the antithesis of my body size. These are huge guys, and I've never seen, we had two turkeys, five pounds of potatoes, and there was only like eight of us there. There was nothing, there was nothing left. I've never seen a Thanksgiving like this. I went in to fill my plate a second time, which is your right on Thanksgiving, and there was nothing, nothing left. There wasn't a scrap of dark meat. There was nothing. There wasn't any cranberries or stuffing, nothing. I was like, I feel like I had chipped. I've never had to go to, I've never had to go to Jack in the Box on Thanksgiving. And I felt jipped because it is your right. It's a, it's a one day a year when you have the God-given right to just go, oh, I've eaten so much. And that idea is being stuck. We think, oh, the spirit is like, oh, more God. Oh, I'm just, I feel so much. No, that's not what it means. It means controlled by the spirit. It's where, in antithesis to this, early on in the, the gospel of Luke, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they heard Jesus say, I'm the Messiah, not just only of the Jews, but of the Gentiles also. <laughs> Chris, we know that. We're like, of course he is. They were like, death to him. And they start, it says they're filled with wrath. That They lost their collective minds. They started, these religious leaders started plotting someone's death. Religious leaders aren't supposed to plot people's deaths. We've talked about this before. Rob and I don't sit in staff meeting plotting your death. We don't do that. That's not what religious leaders do. These guys lost their mind because they were filled with wrath. They became different people and so too you need to become a different man or a different woman. Not in that sense, not filled with wrath. Filled and controlled with the Spirit if you're going to be the disciple that He wants you to be. You know, some would say, well, you know, okay, I mean, if I, if I ask and say, God, fill me with the Spirit, I mean, am I going to get weird? There's a lot in the Bible about what happens to people that are filled with the Spirit. Am I going to start speaking in tongues? Is that going to happen? Am I going to start shaking or flopping on the floor? Like, what? What's going to happen if I'm filled with the Spirit? Well, a question I want you to really consider. Who do you think was the most Spirit-filled man to ever live? This should not be a trick question. This is not a trick question. This is not Barnabas. No, the most Spirit-filled person to ever walk the earth. Some of you said it, right? Jesus, Jesus, filled with the Spirit from the womb. The Spirit descended upon him at his baptism. It's Jesus. Jesus was the most Spirit-filled person that ever lived. Now, my question to you is, was he weird? The Pharisees might have thought he was. But of course, our answer is no way. You know, sometimes you flip through the Christian TV channels and that can be eye-opening. And you see some guy who claims to be filled with the Spirit and there he is, just eyes of fire and snakes in his hand. And it's like, I don't know what that is, but I don't want that. (laughs) Well, I don't know what that is either, but is that the example of Jesus? Jesus never walked around with crazy eyes and snakes in his hand, flopping on the ground. I mean, where's that in the Gospels? It's not there. Jesus instead was the most loving, kind, caring, insightful, brave, honest, pure man to ever live. And what I believe, if you and I are truly filled with the Spirit, baptized with the Spirit, we're going to start to look a lot like Jesus. I don't know about you, but that is what I desperately need. The fruit of the Spirit isn't weirdness. What's the fruit of the Spirit? It's love, joy, peace 
peace, long-suffering, gentleness, self-control, all the things you and I so desperately need, it comes as the fruit of God's Spirit in our lives. So Jesus says, listen, disciples. And I think he'd say tonight, listen, disciples. I don't want you to go out and try to do ministry in the flesh. I hope you know that. Ministry, and I mean a broad idea of ministry. Being the husband God wants you to be, guys, is ministry, even in the best of marriages. Girls, being the wife that God has called you to be, that is ministry, amen? Can I hear amen, ladies? Amen. You know, just talk about otherwise when you say it. Don't look at your husband and be like, amen. But you know what I mean. It's like, amen, you know that. Or how about this? You single people in the room. Man, it takes God's spirit to be godly and single in this world, doesn't it? Amen. I know you're saying, don't, don't. I see you're shaking heads. I meet with you on Thursday nights. I know. We can't, we can't do what God has called us to do. We can't be the husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, young men and women in the power of our flesh. And God never meant it to be that way. You look at the, the apostles. They had nothing that we have. They didn't have planes. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have podcasts. They didn't have... And they turned their generation on its ear for Jesus. And, and, and honestly, I think they would look at you and I. And I don't mean just you and I in this room, but, but the Christian culture today. And they would say, are you serious? You can be anywhere on the globe in half a day. You can send your image instantly anywhere. You have the library of 2,000 years of Christian teachings available to you in so many forms. You, 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 you can read it. You can't read? Okay, you can listen to it. We, are so, we have so many things. And as a culture, with a billion plus Christians, we are sad compared to the first century church. Again, not, not we as in Cabbage this is sad. God bless you. I love this church. No, I don't mean that. I mean, I, mean, I mean, the Christian culture today, it's so weak. It's so weak, and there is so much to do. Jesus looked at his culture and said, the fields are white unto harvest. Do you think his opinion would be any different today? No way. But you know something God's just grabbing my heart with right now? He asked for the last few weeks. He has just been just nailing me. I don't know about you, but I, I get put down by the Lord sometimes. And what he's really been searching my heart with is this question. Do you really care about anything other than yourself? Do you really? Do, do you really care about anything other than yourself? And my prayer has been, God, burden my heart for things besides Jason Duff and the, the, the small world that affects me burden my heart for more and I love I, I, see, little, I see little glimpses you know I live on the direct path that takes me by Vista High every day pick up my kids last week I just sat there at the light and I'm watching little girl after little girl with a baby in that little girl's arms. Listen, I'm nothing against babies. And I'm certainly glad those, those little babies weren't aborted. 
But these little girls are just barely older than my daughter, who's nine. And my heart just broke. That's right over this hill from this church. I saw one kid with a a bag of weed stuffing it in his coat as he's leaving school. Right over the hill. Do we care about things beyond ourselves? Because I think if we do, the Lord would say to you, then cry out and pray. I've been so arrested by, by something Paul, I've been this last couple of days reading the book of Colossians. And I just want to share this last verse with you and then we'll take time to do what I promised. But in Colossians chapter two, this is what Paul says. He says, but I want you to know what great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts may be encouraged and be knit together in love and attaining all the riches or the full assurance of understanding the knowledge of the mystery of God both of the Father of Christ and whom are in he goes on and on about all the things he wants them to get but here's what God was just, just arresting my heart with here's Paul saying to them I, I want you to understand how much great conflict I've spent toward you in Colossae, in Laodicea. You know what, friends? Most Bible scholars believe Paul was never there. He, he may have had some influence in starting those churches when he was the pastor in Ephesus, but a lot of Bible scholars believe, and I, I don't know, but he was never there. And, and, and regardless of that, there were many in that church at this time he didn't even know. And he's telling them, I am struggling in prayer. I am agonizing, the word is, in ministry. For you that I've never even seen your face, because Paul understood there's something greater than me out there. There's a world that needs Jesus. There's a world that needs Jesus. So what do we do? What do we do? We cry out, God, I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to fast. I'm willing to be used of you. But friends, as willing as we might be tonight, you can't in the power of your flesh. You can't pray in the flesh. (laughs) The Bible says pray in the spirit. You can't minister in the flesh. The Bible says to minister in the spirit. It's why Jesus said, don't you dare try to minister. Don't you dare leave Jerusalem. You need to wait until I fill you with my spirit. And then, watch out. Jerusalem, Judea, the ends of the earth. And I think the Lord's heart for us tonight is that God would do the same thing. North County needs Jesus. He really does. I love this place. I really do. And yet you walk around our cities and Go to the coastline and it is so obvious. People need Jesus. And you are the disciples of this generation. You. Peter's in heaven rejoicing. Paul's in the presence of God. You are the disciples for this generation. Same principles apply. 
I can get so wrapped up into me and all my deal and what I'm doing and, and the Lord is just working in my heart. I need to praise God for what I have. I need to repent of the loser I can be and I need to ask God to fill me with his spirit to accomplish whatever he wants to do in and through me, in my own family, in those I live next to, in the culture and the community in which God has placed me. We, I, all of us, we need God's spirit. So what I want to do is I want the team to come back up one minute past my goal. Sorry. Those pastors, they just keep talking. But here's what we're going to do for 30 minutes tonight. I want us to, first of all, first of all, I want us to thank the Lord. I, I feel so often the Spirit of God is stifled because I'm so me and all my deals and all I'm going. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. We live in North County, San Diego. Have you lived anywhere else? We are so blessed. I know some of you are going through great trials. I know some of you are out of work. And I'm not trying to belittle that at all. But you have food in your stomach. You're saved by the blood of Jesus. You're going to heaven. Oh, man, praise Jesus. So I want us to start by thanking the Lord. Thanking him for what he's done in our lives. Now, not that the, the more you just think, the Lord will take care of your deal. Not that there's anything wrong with praying for your stuff, but you, you just thank him tonight. And then repent. Because I don't know about you, there's a lot of stuff I need to repent of. Like we talked about on Sunday morning. I can say, like David, search my heart. It doesn't take long. Or it's like, yeah, right there, right there, right there. And probably that's the deal with you. So, so God, search my heart. And then repent. God, I want you to just empty all that junk. And then, and then we're going to pray. Lord, fill me with your spirit. So not that you're a jukebox, Eddie, but can we, can we start with like, thank Thank the Lord something. Jesus, praise. So I don't want to tell you what song to play, but something about thanking. Let's just thank Jesus for who he is. Lord, we do. We want to enter into your presence with thanksgiving. We want to say God to you with just hands extended as the Jews would do, Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you that you, you've given us the great privilege of living in the United States of America. Thank you, Lord, that even though we do go through trials and suffering, Lord, God, you, you've given us food to eat and you, you've not forsaken us, Father. God, thank you for saving our souls and we get to spend eternity with you, Lord. We are so blessed. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. And right now, Lord, we just want to take a moment and quiet our hearts before you and now repent. Just allowing your spirit to search our hearts. And I don't, I don't think I'm the only cheese ball in here. There's probably every one of us that have something just to bring before you right now. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray right now you'd quiet our hearts and let us just do business with you and repent. Repent. Church, let's take just a moment. Quiet your heart before the Lord. Just a conversation between you and him. You don't have to confess to a neighbor. Please don't speak out loud. Just you and the Lord right now for just a moment. Let's repent before him. Let's have clean hearts, 
clean minds. Lord, we do. We confess these things as sin before you because that's what they are. They're not indiscretions. They're, they're not misunderstandings. God, we have sin in our hearts. We do. God, even the most godly and mature among us, we fall short. And Lord, tonight we just repent. We say, Lord, clean that stuff out. Clean our self-focus out. God, clean the, the vision that we have. It's only for us. And God, expand our hearts and our minds for what you have for us, Jesus, for what you are calling us to do. Lord, not in the power of our flesh, but in the power of your spirit. And Lord, now, God, as we've entered into your gates with thanksgiving, as we have, God, expressed repentance before you, now, Lord, I pray that you would bless us with your spirit, that you'd fall upon this room like a flood, that you'd touch those that are watching at home right now, Lord, that you would just minister to your precious body as we come before you and just intercede and ask, God, fill us with your spirit. God, that's what Luke 11 tells us to do. We don't have to cut ourselves like those that worship Baal would do. We don't have to, 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 to beg and weep and put on this show, Lord. We just need to say, God, I am empty and desperate without you. And the fields are white unto harvest. Fill me with your spirit. Make me a disciple. Lord, we just need to ask. And so that's what we do right now. In Jesus' name. We're going to take the rest of the time to worship. And if you want to stand as you worship the Lord, you go right ahead. If you want to grab a corner and kneel, you do that too. If you want to sit right where you're at, awesome. There's going to be a few of us up front here available to pray with you. Not that it's our touch that's going to get you the Holy Spirit. You can just say, God, fill me with your spirit. And right there in row six, that's exactly what he'll do. I'm not, don't count. I don't like pointing any of you out. But, but if you would love prayer tonight, myself. Pastor Rob, would you mind being, being forward? Maybe a couple of the leadership guys that are here. We just love for the, the leadership of our church just to be available tonight to, to put a hand on your shoulder and just say, Lord, fill my brother, fill my sister with your spirit. So let's worship the Lord. And again, as you feel led, just worship him. And if you need prayer, we'll be up front available for you just to lift you up and pray that God would fill you with his spirit.